morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to our series entitled, His Name Shall Be. In this series, we've been looking at a number of the names of Jesus Christ from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which reads like this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace. Long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied him, he announced a contest to produce a masterpiece. This challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere, and paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation arrived. Judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another as the viewers clapped and cheered. The tension grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. As a judge pulled the cover off of one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mirror-smooth lake reflected lacy green birch trees under the soft blush of the evening sky. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. Surely this was the winner. The man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? A tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky precipice, and the crowd could almost feel its cold and penetrating spray. The picture showed stormy, gra uh, stormy gray clouds as they threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of the thundering noises and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. One of its branches reached out in front of the torrential waters as if foolishly seeking to experience its full power. A little bird had built a nest in the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. You see, world peace is something that most people want. The desire for it is so well known that it becomes a cliché, as if you could have one thing, one thing at all in the world, what would it be? Many would say world peace. Yet as much as it is desired, it has also been a seemingly impossible quest. A magazine article from a number of years ago revealed a study of the last 3,500 plus years of recorded history and found that it contained only 286 years of peace, less than 8%. What's worse is that during that time period, over 8,000 peace treaties were signed and broken. But a little over 2,000 years ago, on a quiet Judean hillside where shepherds were watching their flocks, an angel shared the news that a Savior had been born and that He is Christ the Lord. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 shares this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, the prophesied Prince of Peace had come. But the question for us at this Christmas season, some 2,000 years later, is a very simple one and a relevant one. The question is this, can Jesus truly bring peace to my life? Is there peace for our lives today? I mean, take a look at this last year. For some of you, you don't really want to review the past 12 months. Because maybe there's been a whole lot of stuff take place. But your question this morning is, God, is there peace for me today? I've got some good news for you. The answer is yes, because Jesus Christ is not just the wonderful counselor, not just the mighty God, not just the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. So we're going we're gonna to explore that this morning, how it is that Jesus can step into our hearts and into our lives with peace. First of all, Jesus Christ, as the Prince of Peace, provides peace with God. Peace with God. Ever since the very beginning, we had Adam and Eve. And if, if you're going to be reading through the Bible at any particular point, uh, many of you will start with Genesis. So here in just the next couple of days, maybe you're going to explore that again. Adam and Eve, they both messed up. They both sinned. And some of the stuff that they did... It's the exact same things that you and I do today. Fight against God, wrestle with God, doubt God, maybe wonder if He is secretly somehow against us. Ignore God, don't obey God, don't listen to God, don't follow God, willfully sin against God. And then when God's around... Act like everything is a-okay. Adam and Eve did that. Unfortunately, you and I many times do that. But is God happy with sin? He's not. He wasn't happy with Adam and Eve's sin. He's not happy with my sin or your sin. The Bible is clear that every single one of us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that means that there's a problem there. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. So what can be done? Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 5, check it out, verses 1 and 2. Jesus as the Prince of Peace does just that. He provides peace with God. Here's how Paul writes it. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. How? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But we can have peace with God. We can be made right with God. Not because of who we are. Not because we are something in and of ourselves. Not because we got the great gift under the Christmas tree or gave a great gift under the Christmas tree or not because we, we know every single Christmas carol known to man. We can't earn peace with God by anything we do. We've got peace with God through Jesus Christ. He's the one that provides it. He's the one that supplies it. And if we surrender our hearts and our lives to him, he is able to make us right with God. Verse 1 says, we've been justified through faith. It's one of those biblical terms, justified. Many people in modern days explain it like this, justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. We're made right with God. We're justified. There's peace with God. There's now nothing between God and I, and it's not because of what I've done. I've got peace with God because of what Jesus has done. We're going to be celebrating that as we close our service, we close this year together with communion and spending time reflecting on what He has done for us. We've got that brand new relationship with God. Not because of how incredible or awesome we are, it's peace with God. We're made right with God because of what Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, has done. So, have you made peace with God? That's a weird phrase, right? Because when you hear that, we, we many times we think about deathbed confessions. I'm not prophesying that about any of you today. Just hear me now. But many people say, well, you got to get right with God. You got to make your peace with God. And that, that many times refers to someone who is near death and trying to be right or get right or, or be brought into that right standing with God. I'm really asking, have each and every one of us at some point in time done just this? Asked Jesus to cleanse and to forgive us of our sins. And because of what Jesus has done, has he put us in a right standing with God so that we have peace with God? That's a question only you can answer. I trust you've made peace with God. I trust you have enabled him and allowed him to provide you with that peace. You and I can't do it on our own. But Jesus did because of his death upon the cross. Jesus provides peace with God. Secondly, this morning, as the Prince of Peace, Jesus offers peace from our past. Peace from our past. We don't like to go into our past. Every single one of us, if, if we have been cleansed and if we have been forgiven, all the stuff we might have done or said in that past has been cleansed. 
and forgiven and washed away. And if you've experienced that, kind of get a hearty amen. amen. Whatever our life was like before Christ, when we've asked him to cleanse and to forgive us, he offers peace from our past. Let me show you what I mean. I invite you to Luke chapter 7, a scriptural story where Jesus encountered a woman and he offered her peace from her past. Luke chapter 7, we'll kind of read our way through this biblical story. Luke 7 beginning in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees, religious leaders, invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Interesting, right? One of the Pharisees, one of these religious leaders, invites Jesus over for dinner. This woman who lived a sinful life, heard about it, and made her way there. How many of you have ever had someone just kind of show up at your house for a meal? Sometimes that happens. But this woman, she sort of kind of invited herself, and she didn't show up empty-handed. It said that she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So, a sinful woman shows up to see Jesus and this spiritual leader. Something kind of doesn't seem right about this combination. What's going to happen? As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, you might have had somebody join your dinner uh, unannounced, uninvited, and they, they drop in, you, you put an extra place setting there. But have any of you ever seen somebody wipe feet with their hair. Just kind of look around and see there, there might be a handful of you here who would have long enough hair to maybe make this a, a reality, right? What, what do you say, Julianne? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's longer than some. The Bible says that, that she poured that perfume, she, she wet his feet with her tears, poured the perfume, and, and wiped with her hair. Now, if you'd be in a meal like that, that's probably one you would not forget. A so-called uninvited guest who does all of these things. And so the Pharisee basically says, Jesus, don't you know I mean, who this woman is? She's got a reputation here in town, and it's not a good one. She's got a sinful past. Here's, there's all kinds of things. I don't even want to get into all the stuff that everybody says she has done or probably done. Don't you know the kind of woman this is that's touching you with her hair? As, as Jesus tends to do, 
He tends to get to the point, and sometimes he gets to the point by sharing a story. And so he basically says, Simon, I have something to tell you. I bet, you know, Simon's, his ears are perking up. He's thinking, oh, maybe he knows something about this woman. Even I don't know. And he's, he's all ears. Maybe he's ready for the latest scoop, the latest, juiciest gossip. I mean, none of you participate in that. It, it's everybody else in that church down the road or anyone who's nodding here today because none of you would ever entertain juicy gossip. But I bet this Pharisee probably was ready for some. Jesus said, Simon, I have something to tell you. His ears perk up and Jesus says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. This denarii or denarius many times would be considered about a day's worth of wages. So 500, you're, you're talking about a year plus, 50, maybe a, a month or two. But it doesn't matter whether it's dollars or thousands or days, 500 to 50, definitely a difference in amounts. So one owed 500, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Interesting question. They both were forgiven a debt, but he says, which one will love him more? Simon the Pharisee replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Now, if, if Jesus were scoring this, he would have said, Simon, you get an A+. Bonus points. He said, you have judged correctly. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time that I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she put perfume on me, perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Therefore, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And when he said that, everybody turns around and says, who in the world can say sins are forgiven? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. He, he shared this story about the two debts to Simon to say, listen, if you've got this incredible debt, if you owe thousands upon thousands of dollars and your debt was forgiven, you would probably be more grateful than someone who had a debt of five bucks being forgiven because your debt was so large. The point was, here's the woman with a past, a sinful past that everybody in the community, that Simon this Pharisee knew about, everybody was aware about this woman. And he's providing peace from her past. 
that through him, he's able to cleanse, he's able to forgive, he's able to remove all of that stuff from the past, everything that everybody knows about, and give a brand new start. This man was upset for a couple of reasons. He was upset that she was touching Jesus. He was probably also upset at how much this this perfume cost. Why wasn't something else done with that? But the buzz at the party was, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Who does that? The one who does that is Jesus, the Savior, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, who is able to provide peace from her past. Maybe there's individuals who they wonder, could God love me? Could, could Jesus Christ ever forgive me? I mean, does he know what I've done? The good news is yes. He can and desires to forgive you and me of our sins. All the stuff that's in our past, we wish we'd have a brand new start. We wish that people would forget that we said that or did that or whatever the case might be in our past. Jesus will come. Jesus will cleanse. Jesus will forgive. Wash that away. Give us a brand new start. He's the one who can offer peace with God. He's the one who can provide the peace and offer the peace from our past. Thirdly, Jesus is the Prince of Peace He's the one that's able to deliver peace in all of our circumstances. Peace in our circumstances. One of my favorite scriptures about peace, you've heard me reference quite a bit, Philippians chapter 4, you can turn there. This is what Paul wrote. Book of Philippians, we, we read a scripture like this and, and we say, wow, this Paul was something else. Paul had quite a life. Paul had a lot of difficult things that happened to him. In fact, he was imprisoned. And he was in prison about the time he was writing the book of Philippians. So he's writing Philippians from jail. Wouldn't that be an inspirational place? How many of you would just love to have some downtime in prison? I don't see any hands. Downtime. He's in prison, not necessarily with some of the conveniences that today's prisons would have. Imprisoned, and yet in the midst of that, he's writing the book of Philippians, which includes a pretty powerful verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. From the middle of a probably a, a dark, stinky, hard place to be in, he writes this, and the peace of God, which passes or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Paul wrote that from prison? I mean, you're talking about Peace, it would seem like Paul wrote that from a vacation in some tranquil spot. Maybe he was in that painting that we began the message with. 
He was there in that peaceful, serene setting as he writes about the peace of God. No. He was potentially chained up in prison. And it's there that he writes about God's peace that passes all understanding. You can't comprehend this kind of peace, he's saying. And we're probably saying, I can't comprehend how you can comprehend that kind of peace, Paul. That's exactly what he does. It's Jesus who's able to deliver peace in all of our circumstances. Because receiving the peace, it doesn't mean that all of our circumstances are perfect. We don't receive peace when everything is just a-okay. It means even in the midst of the difficult circumstances we go through, we're able to receive peace. Peace doesn't depend on the circumstances. Peace depends upon Jesus being in control. And he is. Finally this morning, Jesus as a prince of peace supplies peace even in the midst of tragedy. Take a look at John chapter 14. You can turn there as we continue. These are the the last kind of moments and, and opportunities. Jesus preparing with his disciples. The night he's betrayed, the night before he goes to the cross, he's having this last supper He's about ready to head out to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and pray and, and seek the Father. And he'll, he'll be arrested and, and brought to the trial and then mocked and beaten and whipped and eventually crucified. But Jesus is spending some time speaking and praying into the lives of his disciples. They probably, probably, we say, sense something coming based on what Jesus was saying. But as Jesus is, in a sense, kind of giving this farewell speech, this inspiration and encouragement to his disciples, what he's not saying is he's not trying to prepare himself for what's about to come. He's thinking about, he's focused on his disciples and helping them through this process. John 14, 27, he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. As he is preparing for the end of his life as we know it, about to be crucified and die upon the cross, he's thinking about, he's focused on his disciples, how he can help them, how he can help them experience peace. He says, it's my peace that I give you, but not as the world gives. There's a lot of things when the world would think about peace, all kinds of things come to mind. Maybe the nice, peaceful island in the middle of nowhere, you know, kind of on a, on a lounge chair in a nice 80 degrees, 90 degrees. I mean, for Ohio weather, this is pretty much the same. Not too bad outside. We've got all kinds of things. When it comes to peace, oh, that would be peaceful. Jesus says, I give you my peace, but it's not as the world gives. 
One commentator wrote it like this. It's not getting away on weekends to a mountain lake or a strip of private beach, as attractive as that may be. The peace of God is confidence that God is God and neither our gains nor our losses are ultimate. Final. Whatever is good or whatever is bad, that's not final. Our peace is in God, not our stuff. Our peace is in God, not our bank account. Our peace is in God, not all of these other things. Great as they might be, Jesus says, it's my peace that I give to you. He expands a couple chapters later in chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've told you these things. I've been sharing all these things with you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You're going to have trouble, but in me, he says, as the Prince of Peace, you will have peace. I don't know all of what this year has been like for you. Certainly, we know a lot of things. We've prayed about a lot of different needs and family situations, a lot of financial and physical and relational and emotional and spiritual, etc. Maybe a time like this, the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they can be awful tough. For some, maybe it's, it's a pretty fresh year of maybe losing a family member or maybe though it's been a while, some of those thoughts are pretty fresh around the holidays. I know personally, for me, it's about almost 18 years since the loss of my dad. And it's been years, but yet sometimes you have those moments. And if you've lost someone near to you or dear to you, Maybe every so often you have one of those. And, and in Christmas season, maybe it's a, a Christmas movie or a Hallmark movie about a dad and his son. I realize I, I don't have my dad around to experience that. I'm not sure what it might be for you. The difficulty of some doctor's reports this year, the, the difficulty of some financial situations this year, but whatever the difficulty, whatever the tragedy might be, what we see, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and Jesus is speaking to you and to me. He's offering and supplying peace, even in the midst of tragedy. Jesus was the one about to be arrested. Jesus was the one about to be whipped and beaten. Jesus was the one who was about to get the crown of thorns. Jesus was the one who was about to get the 39 stripes crucified upon the cross, the spear through the side. And yet Jesus was thinking about his disciples, offering and supplying peace to them, knowing that they would be going through a lot. Whatever your year has been like, whatever it is currently like right about now, know that Jesus is able to supply peace. It's not exactly as the world gives. It's not just 
taking a day off or, or going here or going there or buying this or buying that. There's a lot of things that the world says provide peace. He says, I don't give as the world gives, but I'm able to supply peace to you. If you've got a troubled heart, if, if you've been facing some difficulties this year, don't look to the right or to the left. Look up and receive his peace. What he was sharing with his disciples all those years ago, what was prophesied hundreds of years ago, is that he would be the prince of peace. And that same peace he was offering and supplying to his disciples, he offers and supplies to you and to me today. On December 17th, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright finally succeeded in keeping their homemade airplane aloft for 59 seconds. They were ecstatic. As part of their enthusiasm, they rushed a telegram to their sister in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, yeah, let me just say that word again. Telegram. They didn't rush an email, a text, a voicemail, a social media post or message, they rushed a telegram to their sister in Dayton. The simple message said this, first sustained flight today of 59 seconds, period. Hope to be home by Christmas, period. The sister was so excited by their success and, and being the proud sister that she was, she immediately took the telegram down to the newspaper office and gave it to the newspaper editor. Big news from this telegram. The following morning, the Wright brothers' names were splashed across the front page of the newspaper. Here is what the headline read, however. Popular local bicycle merchants to be home for holidays. Did you catch it? They apparently missed it. The editor had missed the point. The Wright brothers coming back home was great. Coming back with family was great. Coming back to this local area was great, but that wasn't the history-making news. The news was they'd gotten this airplane off the ground for 59 seconds. The editor completely missed the point. I don't want the same thing for you or for me today, this Christmas season, as we conclude the end of this year. We've had, hopefully, a great Christmas. Many of you had a nice tree and some lights and all kinds of stuff on it. Maybe some nice things under it as you either gave or received some presents. Hopefully you had some great memories spent with family and along the way maybe some good food and dessert. All of that stuff is great. Maybe you sang some Christmas songs and, and you jammed uh, you know, to some of those favorite Christmas carols or modern Christmas songs on the radio. Or as we saw last week, many of you watching Christmas movie after Christmas movie after Christmas movie. 
Whatever the case might be, I trust it's been a great Christmas, but don't focus so much on the stuff of Christmas. We lose out on the Christ of Christmas. That's the main point. Let's not focus so much on the the food and the trees and the gifts and the lights that we miss out on Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. See, this morning, we see that Jesus provides peace with God, that Jesus offers us peace from our past, that Jesus supplies peace in the midst of our circumstances, and he delivers peace even in the midst of tragedy. 